The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. I've got an amazing guest in store for you. Um, Not the guest who had been scheduled, but um, you'll be quite happy that she's here with me today. Um, And I will introduce her in a moment. But first, I'm going to have my little section from my book, Everyday Awakening. But before I get there, I just want to say something about the recent violence that we've been seeing um, and, and that's been so uh, heightened and, 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 you know, made obvious through the media. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I have a libertarian nature bent by nature. You know, I believe that, that, People, you know, that that we don't really, by putting too many laws in, restricting too much stuff, it doesn't really fix things. However, when it comes to things like gun violence, do we have to make it so easy for people to kill lots of people? Like, is it such an awful thing to just have better background checks? restrict access to automatic weapons. I mean, this to me is just common sense. Why do our own personal rights have to make it easy for people who are not so stable to be able to go out there and kill lots of people? It just does not make sense to me. Now, look, I've heard people say, well, look, if someone really wants to kill a bunch of people, even if they don't have access to guns, they'll, they'll, they'll get access to something else. They'll find another way. They'll drive a car. They'll do this. They'll do that. Fine. But why do we have to make it easier? That's my point. And ultimately, and, and, and even if it's not mass violence, even individual violence, you know, just this past weekend in, in New York City on the subway, someone was shot just going to a brunch to meet friends, just randomly, some, some person, obviously uh, mentally unstable, just shot him. And, and it still, it brings to mind that we really need to look at the why. Why are people acting out so much? Why is there so much violence? Unhappy, happy people do not go around killing people. Fulfilled, satisfied people do not go around hurting other people. There is a profound 
a profound schism in our world from our hearts. And that ultimately, if we really want to change things for the better, if we really want to see a world that we feel safe in, not just ourselves, but our families and, and, and distant relatives and people we don't even know around the world. How are we going to end up stopping wars? How are we going to end up stopping this violence on an individual and a mass scale? And ultimately, it comes down to healing pain and hurt. And when we make that the priority in society, then we will see a profound shift. Not making lots of money, not becoming wealthy, successful, fortune and fame, being a movie star, having lots of power. As long as those are the kinds of things that are driving people within society, we will always have this kind of violence. But when we make people's happiness, when we make their mental, physical, and emotional health a priority, that's when we will see the shift. And I guess as part of that, I mean, this is part of the reason why I I wrote my book was to give people some tools to help them in that way. And so this section today that I have from my book is entitled, and it's a little bit of a long section, when we accept uncomfortable feelings as gifts, we find liberation. And to me, that's a very timely message. We all try to avoid them, those uncomfortable feelings we sometimes feel, those feelings of sadness, anger, grief, loneliness, depression. Yet our desire to avoid them does not serve us for many reasons. Mainly, it does not serve us because whether or not we consciously feel them, they are there in our body, present in the nervous system. And their presence means they are affecting us regardless of whether we are aware of them or not. The difference is that if we are present to them, we can release them much quicker. Whereas if we deny their existence, they will linger, causing us to make decisions that might not be in our best interest, causing us to experience issues with our bodies or our minds. Being present to these feelings is the only way to process them, to keep them from turning into something physical, to stop them from causing an illness, and I'll add now, or stop them from causing us to do something to other people. The illness may show up as a physical or emotional issue. What was once some sadness turns into full-blown depression. What was once some anger turns into a disease that eats up the body. To be present to the feelings is the first step towards wholeness. For when we are present to how we feel, we can no longer ignore it. Then it is time to dig in deep. Where do these feelings come from? How do they repeat in our lives? When did we first experience it? What is the lesson and the beauty of it? How, has, how have these feelings served us all these years? While an uncomfortable feeling may seem like just a difficulty to overcome, 
All our uncomfortable feelings in some way have served us. They protected us when we needed protection. They were the expression of something that was inside of us that needed to come out. If we stop judging these feelings and start accepting them as gifts, regardless of how comfortable or uncomfortable they may, they may make us feel, we find liberation and peace. So what uncomfortable feelings come up for you? When have you felt them before? How have they served you in the past? So this section, I mean, I don't even remember when I wrote it. It was a while ago. But it was really sort of that lesson that when it came to me, I really wanted to share it that, you know, we, we all, and believe me, I'm the pot calling the kettle black. I don't like feeling uncomfortable feelings. As a matter of fact, I remember someone pointed out to me in a ceremony once, it's like, you have a problem with uncomfortable feelings. And it's like, yeah, look, nobody wants to feel angry, upset, depressed, sad, in pain. None of us want that. So we all shy away from it. And it just what I've experienced and what I've learned over the years is that when I stop judging those feelings, stop making them wrong, stop making them something to avoid, and just look at them as indicators of something going on, something for me to look at, of a gift in some way, that then I don't have to carry them around anymore. I, I don't have to hold on to them. I don't have to allow them in, in sort of an unconscious way to affect my actions. So this is my, I guess, gift for everyone this week, or this, this is my ask for this week is to look at where do you, how do you respond to uncomfortable feelings? How does it affect you in your own life? How does it show up? And, and how can we show up differently if we stop ignoring them, if we stop making them bad and wrong and just making them something that we're feeling in the moment? We're not always going to feel this way. And if it goes on for a long period of time, maybe it's time to seek help. Maybe it's time to seek professional help and find a therapist or a counselor or some kind of coach or someone. But to stop pushing them down, to stop ignoring them, to stop trying to lock them up in a little box and hide them away because that little box eventually is going to explode. Like what happened this just, just this past week in Texas, so. Okay, I'm coming down off my soapbox. So this, again, is from my book, Everyday Awakening, um, which I hope, uh, if you have not yet, that you will pick up sometime soon. So now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the show returning guest, uh, speaker, author, trainer, an amazing human being, Teresa Degrobois. Teresa is the number one international best-selling author of Mass Influence, The Habits of the Highly Influential, which has been on the bestseller lists 
in seven countries over the past six years. She's a four times international bestselling author, and she teaches marketing courses around the globe to business leaders and entrepreneurs on how to create massively successful word of mouth campaigns. And of course, how I know her is she is the founder and the head of the international organization, the Evolutionary Business Council. We have a couple of uh, uh, other EBC or Evolutionary Business Council members here on the station, which is a members-based organization that empowers change makers to create profitable, impactful businesses that have a lasting and transformational impact on the individuals they serve. She's also a crypto trader and co-leads the Conscious Crypto YouTube channel to raise money to support her community where she lives down in Costa Rica. I am honored and proud and so grateful to call her my friend. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Teresa. No, oh, it's great to be here, Sam. I absolutely loved your dialogue at the beginning. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I just, you know, there are times when you, you just kind of have to speak out. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I always use just a little section of my book to kind of kick off the show. And somehow it always just seems so apropos for, for what's going on at the time. Um, unfortunately, my dialogue took up a lot of time. We got to take our first break. So actually, let, let's, let's start kick things off when we come back from this break. And, and we'll get into how you became such an expert on influence and, and what sort of was the genesis for the Evolutionary Business Council. And it's an organization I mentioned many times on my show. It is the reason, the main reason uh, my book became a number one bestseller in three categories here in the U.S. And so um, it, it definitely, you and the organization have a very, very special place in my heart. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook. And we will be right back after these messages. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Teresa de Grobois, founder and leader of the Evolutionary Business Council. So, Teresa, you, you have quite a varied background. You've done lots of things in your life. What kind of got you to focus on this idea of being influential? Yeah, I love that. There's actually a TED talk with a name for it. We're called multi-potentialites, you know, people mm-hmm. that just love mastering and learning new things, you know. Um, the challenge with being a multi-potentialite is you often don't know what you're good at, you know, yeah. because because you're like always out like, oh, I want to master this thing now. I want to master that thing now, you know. So it was funny in my early days, I didn't actually realize that understanding influence was one of my superpowers, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, and I didn't see it. I had to have other people start pointing it out to me. Um, Cause to me, it was just normal that you could put eight books on the bestseller list in only six mm-hmm. months or rather three books on the bestseller list. I said that wrong. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's a fascinating thing. It's kind of like fish don't know what water is. Often our friends have to tell us what we're exceptional at right. because it's all around us and it's just who we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It's kind of when it, 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 it's, I, I said to someone just the other day, it's like when you're competent, when you're good competent, then it's like you feel like you, you can do everything, but it doesn't mean you should do everything. It's like focus on what you're really good at. So how did the Evolutionary Business Council come about? What was sort of the genesis of it? Um, and, and, and how did it all get started? Yeah, well, I'd love to say it was this beautiful plan, not. <laughs> um, actually, it was it was born out of intervention, believe it or not. You know, I had I had done this um, big event in Calgary, you know, all about word of mouth marketing and business marketing. And I invited a lot of my close colleagues whose work I really admire in that realm to come and speak at the event. And I thought it'd be really fun if after the event, I sprang for a few condos up in the mountains and took everybody up to to Banff for the weekend and enjoy the Canadian Rockies, you know? know. And so the night after the event ends, we're all sitting up in the mountains and, uh, you know, having a glass of wine or a cup of tea. And out of my mouth pops, someday when I'm influential enough, I'd love to start an organization to really help the change agents of the world really get tuned in with their influence so they can become a lot more impactful. And everybody in the room just starts laughing. You know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I just, I just told you guys my dream and you're all laughing at me. What? And I remember the moment, Danielle Gutierrez, who of mm. course is one of the top Latino speakers in the world. He looks at me and says, wait a minute, Teresa, you were just on stage five hours ago talking about notice when you say someday I will and telling people to look at whether someday is actually today. Mm. And then Jennifer Huff looks at me, and of course, I adore her work. And she says, so when are you going to do that, Teresa? 
And that was actually the moment that the EBC was born. We spent the rest of the uh, weekend, you know, brainstorming and dreaming what the EBC could become. And that group of people I was sitting with became our first advisory board for the organization. So it was pretty amazing what stemmed from there. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And how long ago was that? That was now almost 11 years ago. Ah, 11 Um, years. Too shy of 11 years. Yeah, so it's quite some time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so well, what happened from there? Like, okay, so you're sitting around, you got now your board of advisors, you opened your mouth and you're like, oh God, now I got, <laughs> now I have to actually do something with it. How, how did things grow from there? What what happened from that? Well, you know, we, we created the organization. We just created it as part of my existing company. And um, we started, you know, reaching out to the thought leaders, the emerging thought leaders, the people that really wanted to create change in the world. And we decided, well, what could be a really big, juicy goal for this, right? So we decided, let's create something that people can really put, put a stake in the ground and, and pull themselves toward, right? So we decided, well, what if, what if we could help become the tipping point for a more conscious humanity? What would that look like, right? And, and so, okay, I went back to communication theory, which, you know, most people are probably familiar with this, right? If you get the early adopters or the innovators and the early adopter, uh, adopters on board with any concept or principle, which is about the first 15% of any population, eventually the rest will follow, right? That's tipping right. point theory, right? And uh, yeah. well, what if we did that globally? I don't know if anybody's ever tried that, you know? Mm. But what if we said we could reach 15% of the global population to bring more principles of consciousness? So we looked at that and we said, well, that's about 1.2 billion people. How the heck did we reach 1.2 billion people? Mm. And then the answer became, well, if we helped 1,200 emerging thought leaders each reach a million, that's 1.2 billion people. Mm-hmm. And so our goal became... You know, at, at that time, the goal was how do you know, how do we reach the principles of consciousness to 1.2 billion people by helping 1200 emerging thought leaders each reach a million. Subsequently, we started to realize we need to throw profit in there because if people are just focused on influence, their companies can cave. In fact, we were starting to experience that in the EBC. We were just focused on influence and um, it wasn't powerful. Like, you know, you know, we would do really well on influence. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait a second, we got to pay the bills, you know? Right. <laughs> and, um, so we brought in the three pillars of the EBC. We became about influence, profit, and impact and uh, started focusing on impact. So we've hence added to the goal to say, not only do we want you to reach a million in reach, but we want you to reach a million in profit. Right, because you need to have resources. Like if you're going to reach a lot of people, it takes infrastructure, right? You can't just, you can't just be a, a one-person shop and, and reach a million people. You, you need teams, you need systems, you need, you, you need all kinds of things to help you. I mean, yes, you need influence, and, and influence will get you kind of far, but without the infrastructure, you're just going to collapse, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I learned that when the hard way. The EBC worked so well out of the gate that it almost became a steamroller that started to crush the rest of my business. I don't know how else to say uh, it. There was so much energy in the EBC, but it wasn't one of the profit centers in the business. So it started sucking the resources out of the profit centers. 
So that's when I realized, okay, wait a minute here, uh, better go back to the drawing board. Because, you know, influence might be your superpower, but holding influence without the financial resources to back it and support it and bolster it, is, it's great, but it doesn't work nearly as effectively as when you have the two working in tandem and then, then impact just naturally follows. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm just curious. Now, this was a, a, almost 11 years ago, you were focusing on creating a global organization. Now, this is long before the pandemic, long before everybody knew about Zoom, but you did. Um, but it, <laughs> what kinds of challenges, like early challenges, did you have to overcome in creating a global organization at the time? I don't even know if Zoom was a thing when we started, actually. We were doing yeah. our original calls on like instant teleseminar or something like we were just using Uh, lines and stuff and um you know truthfully back then we didn't have the level of technology that supports us now you know there's stuff we take for granted in everyday use now that we didn't even know about when we first opened the doors so in, in fact a lot of the people that you know have been speakers and trainers and delivering online content for more than 15 years are like whoa people have it so easy now you know, you don't have to build everything from the ground up. There's so many plug and play systems out there you can buy now. So, but, you know, I, I've generally found if you stand in an intention and don't worry about whether it might be a little messy, hmm. like just do it anyway, if it needs to be done. And if people are inspired by it and see the value in it, people have high tolerance for mess. You know, they really do. In fact, the, the cool thing about the Evolutionary Business Council is it's such an amazing group of people, as you know, you, you're now one of our current members of our advisory board, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're such amazing individuals that there was no ball I could drop or no failure I could have that there wasn't mm-hmm. a group of incredible people there to help figure out how to fix it and figure out how to p- pick the ball up again. You know, so it's been a pretty miraculous journey all the way through. So so really, it, it sounds like regardless of the challenge along the way, you you always had great people around you who were able to say, okay, how do we figure this out? You know, how do we move forward? So that even if it was kind of messy on the way, they were so solution oriented that you would just kept going and things just kept building. Yeah. I think one of the best things you can do as a leader is surround yourself with brilliant people. And then know you're not the smartest person in the room. Right, right, right. And and when you do that, it's amazing, you know, the the things you can achieve and the breakthroughs you can have. I love having a vision that you're driving toward, but it's good to hold the vision a bit loosely. Right. Because it's okay for things to evolve and improve along the way. It's actually quite fascinating and thrilling to watch it all happen. Right, because that's the way life is, right? It's kind of organic. I mean, how many people like today, 20, 30 years ago, like had any vision of what they're doing today back then? Very few. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but like almost everyone I know, whatever they studied in college, they're probably working in a completely different field. I know I am. Well, not completely, yeah. kind of yeah. different. What was that university degree for? Right. You know, it's funny, those, those things we learned way back early in our life tend to have a way of circling back and then suddenly mm-hmm. they become relevant again, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of things that, you know, jobs that I had early on when, when I first got out of college and I was working for companies, 
you know, I was doing different things and I, and I just thought, yeah, it's just a job paying the bills. But then years later, what I learned actually served me in having my own business. So it's kind of funny how life has a tendency to support us even before we know what it is that we're going to need the support in. Yeah, very true. Wonderful. Um, okay. Um, all right. Uh, I, I want to talk about like what kind of personal challenge you had with the organization. But before we get there, let's let's take our next break. So when we come back, let, let's dive in a little bit about what was some of the personal growth and some of the personal challenges that you had to deal with, and and sort of what how that this whole journey, how it's taken to you where you are today, living down in Costa Rica and and living a very different life than you lived you know, probably, you know, 10 years ago, right? Yeah, fun. Awesome. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with uh, founder and, and best-selling author, Teresa de Grobois, and we will be right back after these messages. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. So, Teresa, the, I mean, I've been involved in the organization. I don't even know how long now, seven years, maybe eight years, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. And I've seen a lot of growth and changes over the years. And I'm just curious, there are always challenges when you're the person kind of leading the way and, and sort of uh, uh, at the head of an organization that's doing a lot of changes. I'm curious, what sort of personal challenges did you have over the years? Well, I think my biggest one is, you know, I'm hardwired to be a pleaser. 
you know, mm. and I'm running an organization of brilliant people who love to give suggestions, ideas. And the flip side of that is they often don't feel heard unless their ideas are implemented. Uh, and, uh, we actually have a list of ideas that have been generated in the EBC that's pages long. And we maybe have the capacity to implement about two to 3% of those ideas in spite of all of the ideas being quite brilliant and amazing in terms of where the organization could go. So, you know, I've had to do a lot of self-work and a lot of internal work around my own inner dialogue and, and my growth around how do I deal with these issues of like having people feel valued and heard, but at the same time, letting them know, I'm so sorry, we don't have the bandwidth for that one. Mm-hmm. But we'd love to do that one out in the future, you know, and um, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey as a leader, figuring out how to walk that balance. Mm. Mm. It's also, uh, you know, it's a membership organization, although it's not a not for profit. It is kind of a very volunteer based organization, like the members volunteer for the different capacities for the board, the advisory roles for working on events and things like that. I imagine that at times it can be difficult to, uh, especially with the level and quality of people that you work with, to kind of motivate them to get involved with things on a voluntary basis. Yeah. I mean, like with any organization, it has its challenges. That's for sure. Um, We run it as a philanthropic organization, as opposed to a not-for-profit. I used to run a charity and it, it quickly taught me that the level of boundaries and restrictions that are placed on charities and not-for-profit actually make it very difficult to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, I learned the hard way, no, you really need to do have profit in the mix, because if you're also not rewarding yourself as a business owner, if you're feeling like you always have to be a martyr for the organization, you know, a conscious world does not involve martyrdom. Right. You know? And uh, a conscious world has people who run organizations appropriately compensated to make sure um, that everything's working effectively, right? And so that was another area I really had to do a lot of my own inner work to say, how do I, how do I walk this balance of being transparent so that people know um, it is a philanthropic for profit and um, you know, we're not gouging, we're not making it crazy for people, but at the same time, the people that do run the show are compensating themselves. And that's been an interesting journey coming to what's the correct languaging and the correct way to do that as well. You know what? I have personally met so many amazing people through the Evolutionary Business Council. And actually, most of the people whose programs I will go to these days are all people from the EBC. Like, if they're not a member of the EBC, I'm really not interested in the work they do. And I'm just curious, like, how did you manage to attract so many really high-level people? I mean, Jennifer Huff, <clears throat> you know, I've really got to know her. I've gone through her program. I consider her a close friend. I love her dearly. Um, Doria Cordova, who has been around in the personal development space for decades, and, and, and Daniel Gutierrez, who you mentioned before, and some of the other people. Like, how do you think you managed to sort of not just attract them, but but kept them involved and interested and, and willing to really serve the organization? Yeah, well, I'd love to take credit for that one, but really it's the members themselves that have attracted other amazing members, you know, 
One of my earliest mentors in understanding how the realm of influence works used to say the expression, if you push the rope in the middle and run like hell, eventually the ends will follow, you know? <laughs> and, and it was sort of like this mental paradigm of, you don't have to have everyone supporting you. You just have to have a few amazing people and then they'll draw in more people and they'll draw in more people. And then you've got, you know, even at a small scale, this sort of tipping point energy where more and more really cool people just want to come out and play with all the cool people. Mm. Right. And so it's not so much something I did personally as an intention I created that other people helped in and stepped in and helped me with, mm. you know, and I think it's sort of like when you're throwing a big party, um, at first you might not actually know who's coming, but when you get those first few key people that everybody else wants to hang out with, then you know the party will be full and the party will be a success. And so that was the philosophy we took on the EBC. How do we get that core group of people that are just absolutely amazing and everybody wants to hang out with the people like Dan Gutierrez, like Jennifer Hoff, like yourself, who just runs this amazing radio station, Talk Radio New York, you know, and, um, and those people then become sort of the light that shines that draws everybody else in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think was, was maybe like the biggest surprise for you through this journey, through this 11, almost 11 year journey? Like what happened along the way that just kind of, I don't want to say blindsided you, but just like opened your eyes and go, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. Actually, it's probably been some of the really big miracles that have happened, mm. like um, like Stedman Graham coming and playing with us and taking an interest in the organization. That was huge. Uh. You know, like the mentorship and the, the guidance that we got from him. That was amazing. Um, what happened when I launched my latest book, Mass Influence, that blew me away. Like we put a pre-sale page up and the, hit, the book hit number one in, in seven countries within an hour of the pre-sale page going up. Mm. And that was kind of like the gift the organization gave me back, you know? Uh, and so there's been a lot of things like that where I, I just sit there and go, Whoa, like how does the youngest kid of a huge family from the backwoods of Northern, on, Northern Ontario, Northern Canada, like, how do I end up here? Mm. You know? And um, it's, it's amazing sometimes when you just surrender to the journey of life and surrender to an intention and then, you know, just start creating action around that and seeing where life takes you. It's amazing some of the miracles that can come your way that you're like, whoa, that just happened. Wow. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> and it's not actually something that you were really expecting or intending, but it's just amazing. You know, one of the things I often say is life has a much better imagination than I do. Yes. Yeah. I love how Jennifer Huff says, if you're doing a vision board or creating intention, I always write we're better. Or better, yeah. You no, know, because the EBC, I, I couldn't have envisioned what it would become 12 years ago when I first started thinking about it, mm. you know, and uh, I couldn't have dreamed this big, you know, I like, mm -hmm. in fact, when I first stepped out from working in corporate and started working as a speaker trainer, I couldn't have dreamed my life as incredible and amazing as my life has become, like the notion that I'd be living in, in uh, Costa Rica and helping to found an intentional community down here and that I'd be running this big organization and speaking all over the world. That was just like, if, if somebody had told me that's who I'd be in 15, 20 years, I would have laughed. Like, are you giving me a freaking break? Like, that's somebody else's life, right? Right. 
But right, when yeah. you start to just surrender to what the universe has in store for you and, and like open up to your own inner guidance and start living your life from a place of possibility instead of a place of, I need to know every step of the plan before I actually move forward and start creating the plan. Um, it's pretty incredible what opens up from that realm. You know, it really is. That is the, the miracle zone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, if, if you had told me that I'd be doing today, what I'm doing, you know, 20 years ago, I would have been in, incredulous as well. Um, you know, people, oh, excuse me. Um, you know, people don't often see the, the correlation with this because, oh, I see. I, I see. <laughs> yeah, people um, often don't see, you know, the, the, the correlation be, between business and profit and yeah. doing something consciously and kind of having a spiritual practice and, and affecting people in a positive way. You know, we, we kind of have this image of like, well, in order to be successful and make a lot of money, you have to step on people, you have to, you know, you know, just, just sell people something they don't really need and do all this stuff. But the reality is in business, there, you actually can be more profitable, have more influence, more impact if you do things in a very conscious, sustainable, thoughtful way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the world of business has changed radically in the last 30 years. And I think the biggest change is like we now have billionaires like Ray Dalio, who's, you know, one of the top wealthiest men in the U.S., now talking on interviews about the importance of meditation to being a business leader. Now, isn't that fascinating, right? So if you're only bringing your logical left brain to solving problems, you're significantly living your, limiting yourself. Whereas when you wake up to a higher consciousness, which is where you're using your whole brain, your intuition, your higher centers, what we often talk about is your inner guidance, right? right? We are so much more genius at the level of intuition than we are at the level of left brain logic. Not that left brain logic isn't informing our genius. It's an important part of who we are. But when we limit ourselves to that, then we put ourselves in a little cage. Whereas when we open ourselves up to what's possible for human beings, when we bring every part of our being to play, not just our left, but including our left brain logic you know, right. and get it all playing. And so I think that's been the biggest shift in business. Like 30 years ago, people would have said profit is the objective of business. Right. And then a lot of us conscious entrepreneurs started coming along and saying, oh, wait a minute, that's not actually really true. Profit is a measure of whether you're successful at business, but it's not the reason you do business. The reason you do business is to serve people, to right. serve humanity, to serve a customer base, the objective is, is what, what you're trying to do to change people's lives, get them into a better behavior, a, a new way of being. Or, or you have some vision, some passion that you need exactly. to bring into the world. And, and I remember someone once said at a seminar, I forget who, that if you look at the, the most successful people, the most successful kind of self-made people, none of them started their business or started the thing that really made them successful to make money like they all started it because they had some vision, they had some idea, they had a passion that they had to get out there. 
and and because they were so passionate about it that's what made it so successful and they made so much money from it but but they never started with the intention of like oh this is you know i'm doing this to to be a, a billionaire you know like like richard branson right he he didn't start the virgin brand in order to become this like super wealthy person he just did it because it's what his desire was what was passion in his heart yeah it's it's one of the great ironies of life right that like our dreams especially our dreams to really do something significant in the world like our dreams to really make a difference for other people's lives they are scarier to us than anyone else because they're our dreams like they're huge right because that's that's our dream that's our vision for our life and yet no one else will be better able to pull off your dreams than you because nobody else is going to be more passionate about it. Nobody else is going to be as tenacious. And when we talk to the top billionaires or the most successful people in the world, all of them have one common theme in the advice they give. They say the road to success is paved with paved with failure, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be a billionaire, learn how to fail quickly, Right. right? So when you're doing something that you're deeply passionate about, you're way more committed to it. You're way more tenacious your ability to step past those failures is tenfold from someone who's doing something just because they think there's a paycheck at the end of the day. Right. And, you know, when you look at businesses that go bankrupt or go under, they're not the businesses that are people that are really passionate about, you know, like if, if I were not crazy passionate about the EBC, I would have closed the doors on it three, four times now already. Cause we've gotten ourselves in trouble big time financially, a few times making really stupid decisions mm. about how to do certain events or like then even again, when COVID hit, like we had eight live events on the books when COVID hit and all of those hotels and facilities wanted us to be on the hook for paying for those facilities, like to the tune of like a quarter million dollars that that they all wanted us to pay out with events that weren't going forward. You know, like we had to bring in lawyers in six different States to help us negotiate (laughs) through it all. Right. So if, if it weren't something that, that those of us who lead it were super passionate and really believed in, we would have declared bankruptcy half a dozen times already. Right. But right. when you have the perseverance to stick through it and really believe in something, there is always a viable, profitable, successful, impactful business model on the other side if you can stick your way through the tough bits and the and the failures. Yeah. Yep. Same thing with the radio station. There are times when I thought about shutting it down when, you know, there weren't that many hosts, wasn't really making that money. It was costing me probably more than I was making, but you know, I just believed in it, believed in the vision, believed in what could what it could be. And and now it's doing better than ever before. Okay, it's time for us to take our last break uh, of the show. When we come back, I would like to talk about how did you end up down in Costa Rica? And, uh, and, and what do you see in, in the what's in the future for Teresa de Grobois and the Evolutionary Business Council? And uh, maybe I don't know if you maybe have a little something for our audience that you might want to let them know about. So Absolutely. everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1pm Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc. And we will be right back with our guest, Teresa de Grobois of the Evolutionary Business Council after these messages. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Just a quick shout out to loyal listener, Patty. I see her on the Facebook Live. Uh, hopefully, loyal listeners, William and Sanaya are out there also or listening to the recording afterwards. Um, so, Teresa, what's a good Canadian girl like you ending up in Costa Rica? Actually, where were you? Where were you living right before you moved down there? I was living in Calgary. I lived for 30 years in Calgary, Alberta. I grew up, I grew up in northern Ontario, northern Canada, but... Um, after university, I landed in uh, in the oil and gas industry in Canada and lived there for quite a while, just at the foothills of the Canadian Rockies. Wow. And, uh, and then I finally just got sick of winter. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like like nine-month winters, like not three-month winters. <laughs> like, yeah. like winter all year long, not like New York City where winter is like three, four, five months. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Calgary gets a good eight months of nasty weather. So, yeah. what, Why Costa Rica? You know, that's a great question. I, w- I wish I had a great answer. Um, you know, there was there was probably a period there where, you know, I was trying to look at what's next. You know, my kids are hitting university. I now have way more freedom in my life. We're actually talking about building a community in Calgary, you know, like on the outskirts of Calgary, buying a big piece of land and doing something. And then as we were talking about that, people kept coming at me saying, you should really do this in Costa Rica. You should do something in Costa Rica. Have you checked out Costa Rica? And it wasn't like everybody was saying you should go do some something somewhere in the south. They were literally all saying Costa Rica. And I'm one of those people that, you know, when I think when the universe starts beating you about the head with something, you should pay attention. And so Pam Bain, my business partner, and I came down here and just to explore and see, you know, what's possible and very quick quickly um, discovered the opportunity to uh, work with a developer to build a community. And it was, you know, something that just checked all the boxes. So we just leaned in and jumped in and moved forward. 
And so what's the intention behind the intentional community? It's really to bring together leaders from all over the world um, just to live together and play together. You know, so we've centered around a retreat center. We have a small retreat center built here already. And over time, we plan to build a much bigger retreat center once the community is a little bigger. Mm. We're already hosting retreats and events. But it, it was really like born out of the, the idea of like, what if we could pick our neighbors? Like, mm. what if the people we hung out with were just the most amazing conversations of possibility and what's possible in the world? And that we all just really lifted each other up and became this sort of safe space that when people need to recharge, they can come down and visit and, and just, you know, walking down the street, meet incredible people um, that'll just raise your vibration and help you get more tuned in and connected with what's really important in the world. And um, so it's been a really fun journey. You know, at the moment we're still small, but we're mighty. We're, uh, mm. we're just having a lot of fun creating and planting a food forest and <laughs> other Wonderful. neat projects. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I look forward to coming down there. I haven't made it down there yet uh, since, since since you've uh, started the community, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to coming down there and doing a retreat at the retreat center. Um, so where do you see things going from here? What's next for the Evolutionary Business Council and Teresa de Grobois? Well, we've just rebranded the ABC. In fact, we brought in a whole new business partner, Susie mm-hmm. Carter, who I'm sure many people know you know, she's legendary in the industry for taking um, businesses to, you know, into the healthy seven figures. Um, But we brought her in because we realized we needed to rebrand with profit as one of my pillars and profits, not one of my superpowers. I mean, I'm solid with financial stuff, but not from the standpoint of it's not one of my geniuses. I could teach people influence is my genius. So we've been having a lot of fun with the rebrand Um, our next goal is to get up to the 1200 members that we've always envisioned. So that we're really deeply serving them. And and how many people does the EBC reach currently? We're right now around 300 members. So no, 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 no. But what's the influence? Oh, the influence, the collective reach of those members is over half a billion people. So, so we're small, but mighty, you know, and um, half a billion, like, like close to 600,000. So you're close to halfway to that uh, 1.2 billion goal. Yeah, actually 600 million. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're actually halfway to the 1.2 billion, but um, it's just fascinating watching how we get there. You know, the people that are in the organization keep drawing more people in, which is really cool. Wonderful. So, so who, who would you love to see come into like, like, who are some names of people? Let's even get specific. Like who are some big influencers you'd love to draw into the organization? You know, I love it when big influencers do come in like Doria Cordova, who runs one of the biggest businesses. Mm-hmm. Like we've got Colin Sprake and Janet Atwood is a member of the ABC. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's equally precious when someone who's just starting out on the realm of influence comes in and then all these heavy hitters start investing in them and their knowledge Mm. or their ideas. And um, it's actually both are equally magical to me, Mm. you know, Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of special when like the whole family's there, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you have a family gathering and like you have the 90 year old great grandmother in the corner, who's telling stories of what it was like to live, uh, 85 years ago and then you've got the baby in the corner who's just growing up and 
you know, it's a, it's special in its diversity of experience levels and ranges, like way more special than a daycare that would be all babies or an old age right, home that would be right, all right. elderly. Right. So it's kind of fascinating. People ask me, who's, who's your favorite when you get more of, and I'm like, my favorite is to have more of all of it yeah. because it's in the, all of it, that there is a real richness that the EBC actually does become a lot like a family that really deeply supports each other and encourages each other on their path. So if somebody listening is thinking, well, am am I a potential member for the EBC? Like how would someone self-identify and go, oh yeah, this is something that I should check out. If you think you might be, you probably are. (laughs) So I would invite you to come to our website, ebcouncil.com and click the apply tab and sign up for one of our upcoming enrollment calls. Because we explain on the enrollment calls how the organization works, how you join, how you get involved. You do need a sponsor. We can help you find a sponsor if you need one. In fact, if you're listening to the radio show, we'll probably get you Sam Leibowitz. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just come and check it out. If, if you feel like you might be drawn to that, notice where your higher intuition is, um, is taking you. The universe doesn't make mistakes, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a- any special announcements, anything you want to else you want to share with the audience? Well, I, the funnest thing I'm doing in the world right now is down here at Vista Mundo, we're just setting up to do book writers retreats. Ah. So, um, cause I'm finding a lot of people coming at me. One of the things, uh, well, I still do, but one of my earliest roots in business was teaching people how to become bestselling authors, which I, yeah. I have one of the better track records. On. I have hundred percent track record in helping authors get on the bestseller list. And um, so we decided, well, that would be kind of fun if they could actually come down here in this special environment and write their book here in Costa Rica, just to unplug Mm. and get out to a really beautiful setting where they can actually be held. And I can do little workshops with them every morning to get them in the right mindset to write, you know? Mm. Um, So the last week of every month, we're we're setting up to to do book writers retreats down here. So if any of your listeners are inspired, we're going to have the page for that up in about a week on vistamundo.info. So write it down and check back in a week and uh, come join us and do one of our book writers. Retreats. And, and that's vistamundo, V-I-S-T-A-M-U-N-D-O. View of the world in Spanish, uh, for those of you who habla espanol. <laughs> and uh, um, it's, uh, it's vistamundo.info, I-F-N-O, I-N-F-O. I said that wrong, sorry. <laughs> Well, Teresa, thank you so, so much. I could interview you for hours and hours and hours. And and I really, I want to thank you for creating this organization. Thank you for keeping it going, even when it wasn't easy. And, and for all that you've done to put your, 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 your money, your energy, your passion, your spirit into it. I've personally gotten so much out of it. If if you if anyone listening, if you're at all potentially interested in joining the organization, go to ebcouncil.com and apply and, and check it out. It, it's really, um, I cannot say enough for it. So thank you. Mm, thank you, Sam. And, uh, you know, your contribution to the organization has been massive. So thank you. And thank you for all you do for the world. I absolutely adore your show. 
Thank you. Loyalist listeners. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like my fourth time guest, I think. (laughs) You've been here probably, probably the guest who's come back the most. And thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in as you always do each week. Without you, there is no show. So everyone take care. Stay tuned. Of course, 5 p.m. today, Frank About Health. Um, uh, this week's guest is also a friend of mine, Catherine Chadwick, a wonderful uh, woman who talks all about mental health. So make sure you check that out with his co-host, Phyllis Quinlan. And tomorrow, of course, we have uh, Philanthropy and Focus and Always Friday and Wise Content Creates Wealth. And Monday, you know, come back and we do it all again. And if you have not yet signed up for our newsletter, go to talkradio.nyc, click on the join the the try button put in your email address so this way you can get announcements on uh, what the upcoming shows are all about and what's going on with us so everyone take care we will talk to you all next week business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. you on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life hi i'm pat duckworth women's health strategist and host of the hot women rock radio show empowering women leaders at menopause join me every thursday at 10 a.m eastern time 3 p.m uk time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. 
This channel features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 